Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. All right, hello and welcome to the Talent Podcast, podcast brought to you by The Wheel. I am your host, Adam Hess, and with me as always is Mike, death cap for Cutie Regan. Mike, death cap for Cutie Regan, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm upset I can't think of a death cap song to start singing. It's all the sad ones. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they sing all those. Oh, well, it is a death cab, not a super happy, happy cab. Although it is for Cutie. It is for Cute. But Cutie could be like a nickname for a dead person they know. So Jesus Christ, Mike. Yeah. Who died in a cab. Oh, I think I just like broke down the the mythos of that name. I figured all it right, out. And I'm fucking Googling it because I think you might be right. <laughs> all right, great. Thanks, uh, Google there. I Googled Death Cab for Cutie name and it responded with the name of the band Death Cab for Cutie is Death Cab for Cutie. Be wild if it wasn't. Uh the song is a track from Bonzo's nineteen sixty seven debut album Gorilla. All right. That's well, funnier than my idea. <laughs> I still don't even know what I just read. All the guys from Death Cab from Cutie for Cutie don't look like you would expect people from Death Cab for Cutie to look like. No. Yeah, they kind of look like the cast of Freaks and Geeks. Oh. That's one of those shows that there's a lot of people who are like, oh, Freaks and Geeks is so good, and they just say it to sound like a hipster and cool. It's got Jason Siegel in it. That's true. Fucking love that guy. You seen his dick? Nope. Yeah. Uh been a while oh, since you watched freaking Sarah Marshall. But I was going to say, I think he doesn't need to shake it around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boy. Anyways, this is a football podcast, at least oh. on Fridays and Mondays it is. This is the Friday edition of the bi-weekly uh, Talentland podcast. Semi-weekly? What's, uh, does bi-weekly mean once every other week or twice a week? That means once every other week. How do you say twice a week? I think you might be right. Semi-weekly. Because, like, semi-annually is twice a, a year. This is a, literally an Archer bit we're doing right now. So, Mike, as it is Friday, that means yesterday was Thursday. And on Thursdays, there is often Thursday Night Football. In a, you know, slobber knocker of a game. Just uh, touching on it real quick before we get into the real news of the week. Uh, just, you know, game of the year candidate right at the gate. Pittsburgh uh, covers the minus three and a half. That's kind of it, you know? Hold on. What's up? We're going to talk Monday Night Football real quick at some point, right? Why are we talking Monday Night Football? Because the Raiders are so god-awful, and it caused quite a ripple at, like, what, one in the morning? <laughs> yeah. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk Monday Night Football when we talk uh, about games of the week, because I, uh, I got some Raiders thoughts in there. So, well, right. I mean, we won't talk Monday Night Football, because I don't want to talk about the game, but we'll talk about the Raiders. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you missed Thursday Night Football, there was 17 penalties for 131 total penalty yards. Deontay Johnson scored his first touchdown since Big Ben was playing quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a shoot, brother. Deontay Johnson hasn't scored a touchdown since 2021. That's a shoot. That's a shoot. I'm not working you. I started him in fantasy this week, so it worked out for me, bud. Oh, nice. That's like the first week where it was good to start Deontay Johnson in two years. I love it when refs come into a game and they just decide this is our fucking night. It was miserable, man. Like, the last play of the game had a flag on it, and Al Michaels went, and of course there's a flag. <laughs> at, at what point, like, what number of, a, of flags do you have to hit when you get, like, annoyed by it? One. 
what, the very first one, you're just like, yeah. ugh. Don't throw flags. Just let them play. Just have <laughs> the refs out there so they think that someone might throw a flag, but don't throw a flag. I think that's like your single, like, old man football take. You're pretty progressive with your football takes. That's like only like, ah, let the boys play. Come on, that's ticky-tacky. There is one sport and one sport only where I like when a penalty is called. Hockey. Yes, sir. Power plays, fun. Every other kind of penalty in every other sport, boring. Foul shots, boring. Foul sh- free throws are the most boring part of basketball. And nothing feels more, like, grody and gross when there's a foul, like, at the very last shot of the game, and so free throws win it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you should, if that happens, this isn't our basket pod, but I just want to say real quick, if that happens, the other team should get one more possession. Put, like, five seconds on the clock and let them inbound it. No, I totally agree with that. I mean, just anything to not have a game end on free throws. Yeah. But, you know, to, I guess, be... <laughs> more realistic like what seven flags in a game you're like come on guys yeah once it like start, once it gets over double digits i'm just like are we fucking doing this again double digits is like 10 this this game is yes i know what double digits are okay this is like me googling death cap for cutie name yeah <laughs> once you get above like seven flags at that point it's starting to halt the progress of the game and i get it like some of them it's you know oh that was a uh, dpi we don't ever need to call defensive holding unless the game's like within three points like it's five yards and an automatic first down and it gets called when it's not even a part of the play in fact i don't even think we need to call offensive holding but that's a whole different conversation yeah we um we definitely need to get more thoughts on flags now the last thing i was going to say was we need to change the what defensive holding is because it's 10 yards and an automatic first down and that's just bullshit an offensive holding is 10 yards also yeah yeah that should be a five-yard penalty that should be a five-yard penalty and it should never get called or it should be if you're gonna do 10 yards it shouldn't be an automatic first down yeah agreed how does how does offensive holding make the game more watchable or how does calling offensive holding make the game more watchable you know what makes football really fun is quarterbacks that have a lot of time to throw the ball Offensive holding just helps that. And it's so, it can get, like, the egregious ones I get, like, some dude holds the shit out of a guy and just, like, drags him to the ground. That I get. But sometimes, I mean, part of being a lineman is get your hands, like, underneath the shoulder pads. So sometimes it's just really close to call, and you're like, come on. Yeah, it's one of those things where there's holding on every play. Hey, let me ask you this. Did something change? It feels like every single play, one of the tackles false starts now. And it doesn't get called. Yeah, this I, I don't really have much opinion as far as how much I've seen it, but I know that this was like a thing right off the bat with the Kansas City game. Yeah, what's the deal with that? Like, you, you know, pay attention to it this weekend, but it feels like every single offensive snap, there's a false start by one of the tackles that doesn't get called anymore. You can tell how boring a Thursday night football game is when we just branch off into talking about penalties forever. <laughs> yeah. Like it was I mean, not a good game. 340 yards for the Titans and 326 for the Steelers. Like just a boring game. Yeah. It really encapsulates how meh this game was that Will Levis' stat line. It's uh, he went 22 for 39, 262 yards and one interception. And that's exactly what the game felt like. Yeah. And I kind of, I don't know. That's, 
that's a pretty solid secondary Atlanta had. So I thought he would still do okay against Pittsburgh. But I get, yeah, I guess the Steelers have that the better pass rush. Yeah, um, and TJ Watt was getting a ton of flags thrown his way for getting held because he was just yeah. blown by offensive linemen who would then tackle him. Yeah. Um, not to you know be a downer on our super height penalty suck rant, but mm-hmm. Draylon Burks has a horrific head injury, and Will Compton yeah. has a horrific leg injury, and that's kind of your uh, Thursday night football recap. I didn't see. I know Levis threw his way when that happened. Was it like a thing where he kind of led him into like a defender that lit him no, up? He, I, I didn't. He stretched out to catch it and went down out of bounds. It just bounced his head off the turf. Ah, that's always unfortunate. Yeah, just one of those that there's no there's no getting rid of that play in the game. That's just yeah. you're landing on shoulder pads. You you uh you going back to Ryan Tannehill when he's healthy? You got to ride Levis out for the rest of the year. It'd be stupid yeah. not to. Just Tannehill's to leaving. Tannehill's old and beat up. You're not winning a Super Bowl this year. Play your young guys and see what they are. You know, if if Levis turns out to be good, then he can you can rely on him going into the next season. If Levis turns to be turns out to be bad, now's the time to trade him. I don't get why coaches don't do that. Play a young quarterback one or two years, and if you're not seeing it, just move him. Because someone's going to take the bet on it. Someone will trade you. Like, someone would trade right now. Someone would trade a fourth for Jordan Love. Could, could Tannehill not get traded because of the injury? Is that a thing in the NFL? I don't think that's a thing. I mean, it I probably makes teams less likely to trade for him. But um, uh, Trey Lance got traded while he was injured. Oh, yeah. Well, Trey Lance is always injured. How would you know? He doesn't play football. You think, like, around the facility or maybe, like, the media will be like, hey, Will Levis, if they say it too fast, Malik Willis pops out and he's, like, all excited. He thinks someone's talking to him. It's you a real Ted Hitchcock situation. Yeah. <laughs> Same as Will Levis, but you say it real fast, it sounds like Willis. <laughs> you think Malik think- Willis shows up to work and they are like, oh, sorry, visitors have to you know fill out these forms and get a guest pass. he's like no i got drafted by this team i'm liberty star quarterback malik willis how do you not know who i am yeah all right but i played high school football too you still have to fill out form i-19 anything else on on the doo-doo game no god no um titans will win every game if they just wear the oilers jerseys but as long as you're not wearing the oilers jerseys don't really believe in this team yeah all right, Mike, one other interesting thing happened this weekend. One thing only. Trade deadline was Tuesday, October 31st, the spookiest day of October. Spooky. Huh. We could, you know, go through all the trades, but it's Friday, so everyone knows all the trades at this point. And there so wasn't instead, that many. Yeah. I wrote about this for Team Town Alone this week. Last uh, season, trade deadline 2022, 19 trades. This season, eight. But it's wild that it, it's like the feeling around the tr- NFL trade deadline, and rightfully so, is like, ah, it's always boring. But it's funny because you think recency bias from last year would be like, no, it's great. Remember last? But no, it, it happens once every 10 years, so no one remembers it. Basketball has also totally ruined it because since every one on the internet now has to pretend to watch basketball, everyone is like, oh my God, the basketball trade deadline is so much fun. What if football was like that? And it never is. I mean, you're never moving stars. I mean, like minor stars, I guess, but biggest name move this year was Chase Young, I guess. Yeah, probably Young and Sweat. 
Yeah. Biggest name moved last year was Christian McCaffrey, who turned out to be a great trade, but mm-hmm. that was a boatload of picks. And, you know, that if that's what you're putting up against Kevin Durant getting traded, that's not much. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious that and we're not going to go deep into it, but tune into the Basky podcast to hear our full thoughts. But I still thought it was hilarious that on the trade deadline early in the morning, the NBA was like, we're going to make a trade and steal all the news. Sorry, bad. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. The most interesting <laughs> trade that happened on the trade deadline was James Harden to the Clippers. Yeah. So the format we're going to do for this is just our three biggest surprises from the trade deadline. I'll go first. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think in our doc I wrote, like, I said we do like three. So I don't know if you have three or if you have four or if you have seven or if you have zero. But I'll go first. I, I have, like, Two and then kind of just like a a pondering. <laughs> two surprises and a pondering. Yeah. A much lamer version of two lies and a truth. Yeah. Um Yeah, so my my biggest surprise, and I think universally accepted as the biggest surprise from this trade deadline. The commanders trade both of their pass rushers in Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Chase Young goes to San Francisco for a compensatory third, which if you want to think about where that is, that's about the 100th overall pick. Montez Sweat goes to Chicago for a second, which is currently the 35th pick. What a gap between picks, by the way. That is a 65-pick gap between Chase Young and Montez Sweat. That's bigger than the gap between what they were drafted at. I mean, that's like triple the size of the gap that they were drafted at. Yeah, you stole my first surprise as well. Because um, like you said, this is probably everybody's biggest surprise. It was just like obvious, and a lot of people had the scoop scoops and the news stories where it was like a complete sign from Josh Harris that he wants to make moves and remove the Dan Schneider regime. And I don't blame him because, and I think even though this is a shot, you will agree with me, under Dan Schneider and the people he had hired, it was just a constant cycle of bringing in players and making the team like slightly below average. So you could end up with a mid round pick with the exception of chase young. And it like, they just weren't getting anywhere. It was a big circle jerk. Oh yeah. The, the stat everyone loves to cite is that Washington had one 10 win season under, um, what's his face under, uh, Dan Snyder. And they had two number two picks under Dan Snyder. So they were never at the top of the draft and they were never at the bottom of the draft. They were always just in the middle of the draft. Yeah. And like another sign of this, I think, is they make the sweat move and get the second and they got the compensatory third for young, which makes me think that it became like, just take the best offer. We're making the move. We're moving on. Just, just take the best offer. We want to keep the cap space in the off season. Might as well get something. Yeah. It must've been behind the scenes that Chase Young said he was not re-signing with the commanders, or Josh Harris said, we're not paying out this much for the defensive line. We're not paying Chase Young top-level money at all. I still think, like, it's insane, because they could have tagged him and traded him next year. If the market just wasn't there, right? They could have just tagged him and traded him next year. Yeah, and he's actually having a good year. Yeah, he's fifth in uh, pressures in the NFL this year. Yeah, so you would think if they went your route with a tag and trade, his value could have increased 
throughout the, like playing the rest of the season. Yeah, and a compensatory third is nothing. I mean, yeah, it's like I said, hundredth pick overall in that range. That's nowhere near the capital that you think Chase Young probably should be worth. I mean, the guy, the guy was the number two overall pick four seasons ago, three seasons ago, something like that. I mean, is he really a full 98 players worse than he was then? That seems a bit 98 players. That seems like a bit of a like unnecessary drop. Yeah. So the concern is what the long-term health of the knee, even if that's what your concern is, it's still, he's still producing. It just feels like football's backwards. It feels like players, it's like football is, football's a used car lot, whereas basketball and hockey are like Bitcoin. Where the second you buy a used car, once you drive it off the lot, the price starts to plummet. In the NFL, when you draft a player, one year after that, their price starts to plummet. And I guess it's just because the massive difference between rookie contracts and full veteran contracts, once you can re-sign for those. But it's kind of crazy, the the decline in what players are moved for compared to where they were drafted. Yeah, and I'm sure there's people who would be like, this guy got drafted in the third, this guy got drafted in the third. But a, a quick Google search, the first result that pops up, a third round pick has a 17% chance of just becoming a starter. Yeah, and NFL. I'm sure the number two overall pick is like 50-50. Yeah, a first round pick in general gives you a 63% chance of finding a starter, so... So we basically traded, and that's, you know, that's taking into account like the 32nd pick in the draft to be an NFL starter. We basically traded, we'll say like a 70% chance. Mm-hmm. We said, all right, we'll take the 70% chance in 2019. And in 2023, we'll trade it for, uh, what would you say, 37% chance? 17% chance? 17%. That's ridiculous. According to this. All right, let's talk about Montez Sweat a little bit. Uh, Montez Sweat goes to Chicago for the 35th pick in the draft. I talked about this a lot in my team talent alone this week because Montez Sweat's one of the guys on my list. So we did the whole first play or first uh, section on just Montez Sweat. Ryan Poles is kind of turning into a basketball GM. And I can't tell if that's a bad move or a good move. I can't tell if Ryan Poles is a good or bad GM, to be honest with you. But he's doing something that no other GM in the league is doing which is going, what if we're just always making trades? I mean, I love to bring it up, but he obviously traded last year the 32nd pick in the draft for Chase Claypool, which was, that's, if nothing else, that's career suicide. You don't, you can't do that, man. You can't do that. But he's also the guy that trades back on the Bryce Young pick to bring in just an absolute load with... The number nine pick in the draft, the number 61 pick in the draft, a first-round pick in 2024, a second-round pick in 2025, and DJ Moore. His first move is he sold high on Khalil Mack, and now he trades a second for Montez Sweat, who over the last three or four years has been a top 10 edge rusher. Mm-hmm. I can't tell if Poles was good or bad, and I'm secretly starting to think he might be kind of a good GM, if nothing else because he's doing something no other GM's doing. Yeah, they ended up with the 10th pick in the first round. And they got Darnell Wright, who's a very good offensive tackle coming out of college. So, yeah. And if you have faith, like it, they obviously had some faith in Fields over the offseason. 
and the best way to help him is get him protection. I, it, I do. I don't. I would not want to be Brian Poles because I think because of the lack of success, he is pressured to try to get this thing turned around. So he's making moves for players. And I just don't know if things are going to turn around. But it's kind of fascinating, right? I mean, yeah. he's he's making moves that no one else is making. Who else is trading second round picks for players? Yeah. It's like also, every, every other trade in the NFL is like this player plus a seventh for a sixth round pick. Or the, this player for like a two thirds and a fourth. Ryan Poles is the only guy going out there going, I'll trade you a second for him. I'll trade you a second for him. I'll trade you a second for him. On the flip side, do you think Josh Harris is going full full process? I feel like the commanders should have made more moves if they're going to go process. I'd say just wait for it. Because by the time that sale got finalized, he came in late in the game. So it was like, all right, we're just going to have to ride it out for a while with what we have. But I think this offseason could get really interesting. Yeah, Cam Curl uh, is on an expiring deal. I'm surprised he didn't get moved. Um. McLaurin is expensive and in his late 20s. Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson, that's redundant. We have a terrible offensive line, so no one's getting traded there. I mean, Jonathan Allen and De'Aaron Payne could probably net you something if you wanted to go full rebuild, if you want to go full process. There's assets. Kendall Fuller? Yeah, that's what I was about to say about Kendall Fuller. Emmanuel Forbes for two firsts? Who says no? Yeah, I mean, it, there's there's enough there to to go process on it. Just no one's ever done that in the NFL. You know, got the balls. Maybe Josh Harris does. No, ev- like, man, the process was like <laughs> five years of just the the Sixers were terrible, and in the end, it netted them zero appearances in the Eastern Conference Finals. Don't you think he would have been kind of scared off of going process on this shit? Someone's got to do it. I mean, someone's got to go full like. Madden, when you just take over a shit team and start unloading for every pick in the draft and, and most cap space in the agency. Yeah. Yeah. And get fired at the end. It'd be kind of fun if you brought in Sam Hinkie. That'd be, that'd be interesting. It'd be wild. Staff's Sam gone Howell. though, right? Like, maybe, maybe Eric Bienemy sticks around, but Rivera, Jack Del Rio, whoever the hell the GM is, all of them are out, right? Yeah. I think for sure Ron Rivera is in his last year. I think a cleaning house of the front office is definitely coming. It'd be even crazier if he brought in Daryl Morey. Yeah. I'm trying to think But then how... James Harden won't play for my team. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I guess the version of the three-pointer or foul would be like Sam Howell's chucking it deep or he's throwing a screen pass. Yeah. And you get a They're going for it on fourth and 17. Yeah. Great. Now my team's going to have the most boring brand of football. Turns out the three-point revolution in football is just getting offensive pass interferences on every single pass. Yeah. Not a bad strategy. It could work. <laughs> All right. You want, you want another surprise? Yeah, give me another surprise. I'm kind of surprised Buffalo did anything. <laughs> like, Brandon Bean does not like to part with things. So, even though his name is nearly the guy from Moneyball, yeah, uh, yeah, he's not he's not Brad Pitt. Um, Just as handsome well, though, right? Right. Uh, he 
So he joined the team in 2017. So I, I shot this down real quick. And I'm ignoring draft day trades for picks swapping and all that crap. But 20, uh, last season, we made all small moves. Hines, Dean Marlowe, uh, Case Keenum. No trades in 2021. 2020 was the Diggs trade, obviously. Gave up first. Uh, 2019, we traded for Ryan Bates, guard. 2018, one trade. It was wide receiver Corey Coleman. And then his first year, he did a lot of trades for picks just to unload a lot of players from the pre- previous front office. Um, but as far as players we brought in, because those are the trades I dr- jotted down, in 2017, we brought in wide receiver Keelan Clay, cornerback EJ Gaines, wide receiver Jordan Matthews. And then this was an interesting one. Uh, wide receiver Kelvin Benjamin. And removed Diggs is first. We gave up a third for Rasul Douglas. And the last time we gave up a pick as high as the as high as a third was for Kelvin Benjamin five years ago, six years ago now. You really so, buried the lead on that. I would have opened with that was the first time they <laughs> traded a pick that high since Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah. So he just doesn't he's not big on giving even in this case, he was like, I'll give you a third, but I want a fifth back too. <laughs> like he just I don't every year, like he's more into signing veterans who are sitting at home. Like we signed playoff Lenny and we signed Linville Joseph this these last couple of weeks. Was Linville Joseph in Philly last year? Is that where he's I have playing? no idea. I don't know, but he was attending PTA meetings this year. And then we Being we a good dad. Him up. No I'll tell you. Yeah. But the big uh Patrick Sertan wasn't gonna happen. And then like a couple I think it was like the day before the trade deadline or a couple days, the news broke that Chicago's Jalen Johnson was given permission to seek a trade, which I always love that when a team's like, you and your agent can go do the, the legwork. We're not fucking doing it. <laughs> We're busy with other things. But I actually, li- at first I was like, oh, we didn't go for Jalen. But I actually like, I kind of like some of the things about Rasul. I wasn't as familiar with Rasul, but he's been in the 70s with his defensive and coverage grades for, for PFF the last three years. And He's actually at his highest in those areas this year compared to Johnson, who has his highest this year. He's in the 80s in both those categories, but he's actually jumped 20 plus points. So, yeah, but Johnson's now also younger. Yeah, he is, he is uh, a little bit younger. His cap also wouldn't be as bad. Like, <clears throat> his next two years are 1.1 this year and then only 566K of an actual cap hit. Yeah, he's still, um, in, the, he's still in his rookie deal, right? Yeah. Compared to Rasul has only 838K is going to be the hit this year, but next year is $9 million. That that seems like a lot. And then he has three void years on his contract, which I read multiple things trying to figure out how and what that, how that works, what that means. And I it just got way too confusing. Yeah. I still don't really get it. Yeah. I just know that it means he won't be on the team. Yeah. That's all I know. Yep. So. Yeah. I, I like, the Rasul Douglas trade, just from the sense that the Bills need something, but in the spirit of, like, let's have fun and do things, the Bills should trade for, like, three or four defensive backs. Like, what do the Bills need a third rounder, a fourth rounder, a fifth rounder, even a second rounder? What do they need any of that for? They're picking between 25 and 32 every year that Josh Allen is there. Just trade every one of those fuckers. Go full Rams on it. Trade every pick in the first round until Josh Allen retires. I'm not arguing that I was like, that was my philosophy. Why I was like, 
some firsts, go get Patrick Sertan. Like as long as like with the Rams, that turned into a Super Bowl. So it yeah. was a success. Just one. Yeah. If you get one, it's a success. Doesn't yeah, matter if you have I was gonna say it just doesn't matter if you have no picks for the next three years. You have that one Lombardi Lombardi, so it's fine. I get that the general adage is that results do not mean the process was good. But that doesn't count in sports, right? Like, results don't mean the process is good if you win a game, right? That doesn't mean that you did everything right. But results mean the process is good every time you win Lombardi. That's the reason you're playing. No one wakes up in the morning on week one of the NFL season and says, you know what, even if we don't win the Super Bowl, I want to be the team that deserves to win the Super Bowl the most. Yeah. No one wakes up week one that morning and says, all right, guys, let's go win a Super Bowl three out of the next seven years. It is, we are winning the Lombardi this year. People's memory for football only needs to go until February. And then your memory can reset like memento. So it doesn't matter how bad your team is the year after you win the Lombardi trophy. It doesn't matter how bad your team is two years after you win the Super Bowl. Like, look at the Broncos. The Broncos haven't made the playoffs since they won that Super Bowl with Peyton Manning because they spent all their draft capital and all of their cap space and Gary Kubiak retired and Peyton Manning retired and the team was just left in a horrible spot and they have made it back. But that was all worth it because they won Super Bowl 50. Yeah. Now you can say since then, their process has been terrible and that is completely agreeable, but everything they did to win that Super Bowl mattered. Because they won the Super Bowl. To continue from that point, that's why whatever the Broncos wanted for Patrick Sertan, they should have paid it. Mike, yeah. stop me when I tell you, when you think that it's too many picks, all right? Mm-hmm. One first. Two firsts. Three firsts. All right, stop there. I would have given up two. Hands down. Okay, two firsts and a second? Uh, two firsts and like a... A day three pick, even though a high one, like a fourth, we could have thrown in a farther down the depth chart, like secondary player, just to give what give him one back. I wouldn't have minded that. Could have been like a younger one. Like, I don't know if we could have pulled off, like, hey, we'll give you a first, a third, and Kyer Elam, who's a former first round pick. Okay, you know? Broncos don't need Kyler Elam. You can't give play. No. You can't give teams stuff you don't want. And say, well, it makes sense on paper. You have to give up stuff you like to get things you like. It's sending in fantasy. Like, people listen to you trades in fantasy all the time that are like, here are six players that suck for one player that's good. Yeah. That, that's not a good trade. It's not a good trade on the Broncos' part to go, yeah, let's give up getting an extra pick to get Kyler fucking Elam. Yeah, I guess that, that kind of stuff works more in hockey. Like, when people draft a first-round pick and then he spends like two years in the juniors and like we still don't know what he could be but we drafted him with the 14th pick (laughs) and people are like all right i like that yeah that's how shit but also hockey hockey is even dumber than football like the gms in hockey are so dumb but that's like how uh shane wright's gonna be playing for florida in two years right Mm -hmm. uh well this segues perfectly unless you have any other bills thoughts my next surprise is that the broncos make zero trade (laughs) deadline moves not surprised at all so it, it's borderline insulting that they didn't like you talk guys that they could have gotten something for Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Russ, who the Vikings ended up trading a sixth rounder for uh, Josh Dobbs. 
Josh Dobbs isn't as good as Russell Wilson. If you're trading for quarterbacks, why the fuck are you spending any of those on Josh Dobbs? Jeffrey Simmons, Garrett Bulls, PS2, and they don't trade anything. You know what this team's current odds to win their own division is? No. Plus 5,500. That is just to be better than three other teams in the NFL. You know what their odds are to win the Super Bowl? Plus, Audio format. <laughs> plus, uh, probably plus like, what, 10,000? Plus 26,000. Holy shit. Which has an implied odds of 0.38%. They have a 0.38% chance of winning the Super Bowl. What is the incentive to not move anything? Like, what are you worried about if you're at the Broncos front office that you're going to be bad and get fired? Spoiler alert, you're already bad and you're going to get fired. You might as well have done something on your way out the door. I just, with the Broncos, I wonder if there's like a, like, they just refuse to admit, admit that they're wrong. Like, they tried to like build this team back up. Like, no, we're still a contender. We're still a contender. We got Russell Wilson. We got Sean Payton. And it's like, no, just admit it. You're wrong. You're not. You need to break it down. And they refuse to admit it. There's this, uh, this old story in a Michael Lewis book, uh, Liar's Poker, which I believe is his first book, where he talks about when he was working at Bear Stearns right before the financial collapse. And he talks about how one of the senior traders at Bear Stearns used to tell people that he believed in a stock and so he would spend a million dollars on it, right? He would buy or mm-hmm. buy a million shares, and then the shares would go down two cents. Mm-hmm. And so he'd spend another million dollars on it, and the shares would go down four cents. So he would spend a billion dollars on it. The shares would go up 40 cents, and he would go, see, I told you. But it's yeah. because some idiot in the market just spent $2.002 billion on shares for this stock that it went up 40 cents. Not because it was a stock you should believe in. Yeah. The Broncos are turning into the liars poker of the NFL. They said, our team is good and we're just a quarterback away. So we're going to spend a million dollars on quarterback. And it didn't work. The shares went down two cents. Then they said, well, our team is good and we figured out quarterback. So we just need to fix the coach. So they spent a million dollars on the coach. There's nothing left for them. There's no billion dollar option for them. That's going to increase them into a 10 win team. It's time to sell. Get out low, but get out. Yeah, I mean, it's, if I'm using this right, the uh, sunk cost fallacy? Yeah. Because what they've put in to put this team together, they just refuse. They're like, we're already in this deep. We got to make it work. You just don't have the pieces to make it work. Sorry about it. Like, why do you think you had Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton on your team? And once again, the trade deadline went by and no one wanted them. Yeah, their only move is they they dumped Randy Gregory into seventh for a sixth. Yeah, that's it. Like, are you? But are you telling me no one's knocking on the doors for any of these guys? Like, is that how dumb the NFL is? Like that Detroit didn't come saying, "Oh, uh, you know what? We could use a player like Cortland Sutton. Like Jamison Williams isn't quite working out. Maybe if we put if we have this rotational guy who can come in, who's a downfield presence and bigger, that'll do something." Or that the Bills didn't come in and say, eh, why don't we blow the doors off for PS2 or Jeffrey Simmons? Like, how is that not possible? How, how can these GMs not make any attempt at these players? So whose side was it on? Was it the 31 other NFL franchises that for some reason decided not to tap the Broncos on the shoulder and ask about anything? Or is it the Broncos that were demanding a second 
for a player that should go for a fifth? I think it was the latter of what you said. Or is that the former? Oh, I was said that with such confidence. Yeah, the latter is the second thing you say, right? Yes. I used to always get that wrong because I figured like, oh, the former, because that was like the last thing you said. The latter would be farther away from what you just said. Anyway. So you were I, measuring I did... from the wrong side. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think it's a situation where the Broncos are overvaluing what they have. Like, Which I is think... another fallacy, by the way. That's yeah. Another, that's, I, I... That people tend to overvalue things they possess. You know the name of that one. What's that fallacy? It's not a gal, I see. Because I'm sure they hear, like, they probably have the thought that there's pe- teams out there that would think, like, Court and Sutton, Jerry Judy, if we got them, we could really get them going. Endowment effect. Endowment effect, that's it. And so they think if teams are thinking that they can unlock these players, they should give up more. But that's not how it works. Teams buy low on the players they think they have a chance to unlock. They do not buy high on a movie stupid. It'd make no sense. Yeah, and there also in lies the problem in the NFL, right? Like, teams will say, well, we can't sell low on this guy because we won't get the value he's worth back. But then as soon as he's playing well, they're going, well, we can't trade away this guy. Look at how well he's playing. Yeah. And like, for example, because you mentioned him, I can get this to scroll down. You're gonna have to cut a bit of silence here. Um, it doesn't sound like silence to me. It sounds like you talking. Yeah, like I don't know what they wanted for Judy or Sutton, but if Detroit called him, Detroit was like, "Yeah, we'll take a six for Donovan People Jones." <laughs> like we'll we'll give that. That's that's better. Because obviously Detroit needed wide receiver help and. If if you're Cleveland, that's a no question, yes, because DPJ hasn't really produced at all, but he has, like, the athletic traits. Mm-hmm. But if, if Denver gets a call at the trade deadline, and it's only a six for Sutton, I get the instinct to say no, because it feels like Sutton is worth more than a six-round pick. But what else are you going to do? Like, these guys aren't going to re-sign. The team's bad. Yeah, and like what I was saying about the players' teams think they can unlock, they buy low on them. Like, not even people Jones, he's still only 24. He had 839 yards last year. And so they bring him in, like, oh, we think we can make him, like, a really good, you know, like, third receiver, maybe, third or four. I mean, Josh Reynolds has, like, kind of dis- totally disappeared as the season went on. Bring people Jones in to be, like, you know, somewhere in that mix. But we're going to give up a six form because then it's a low risk, high reward scenario. And that's what a Judy trade had to be. I imagine maybe Sutton could get you a little bit more. But even we went into the year thinking like Sutton's going to pop off and he hasn't. So. Okay. Well, we've we've probably gone long enough on the Way Broncos. Too long, yeah. Um, you want to give me your, what do you call it? Amusing? My pondering. You're pondering. I mean, they didn't, they didn't really give up shit for him, but I, I just. I don't know why, like, the point of the Dobbs trade. Like, has Jaron Hall really looked that bad in practice or something? Like, I just don't see the point of it. And if anything, that Minnesota defense hasn't, it started out rough. I feel like it's playing a little bit better. And I don't know. We we saw Dobbs 
steal a weird game. Like he could do that to you and mess up your, your draft pick. Cause keep in mind as low on the totem pole as Dobbs is when Jefferson gets healthy, he still has Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson. So there's a chance he can win some games for you. And then you're looking at a lower pick or yeah, a lower pick than you'd want. Yeah. It, it's like the curse of 500. Uh, I complained about this a little bit in my, my column too. The, the trade deadline's too early where teams like the Vikings who are four and four, but very well in six weeks could be four and 10 taught themselves into the season because they're at 500. And so they thought, well, we have to go get a quarterback to stay competitive. And because of kind of what we've been ranting and complaining about here, the, the problem becomes that they refuse to pay market value for a quarterback. So instead of getting, going out and getting, you know, uh, Andy Dalton or Sam Darnold or even a, a Russ, right? Uh, Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. They said, ah, you know who's cheap as shit? Josh Dobbs. But how much of a, like you said, how much is of a, of an increase is Josh Dobbs over Jaron Hall? And also, Jaron Hall playing this week, what if he's solid? Yeah. Then you spend a sixth for no reason. It's just like, I, I don't, I don't get it unless they decided, oh, we need to fill out our depth chart. We don't have a backup quarterback, maybe? I don't, I don't really get it. I would have called Tennessee about Ryan Tannehill. I don't like Tannehill, but he might have been a little better than Dobbs in that situation. Or called Tennessee about Malik Willis. That would have been a great one. Like, hey, yeah. Will Levis just popped off. You don't need Willis. What do you want for him? See if Ryan Fitzpatrick will come out of retirement. I mean, there was cheap yeah. options out there that yeah. would, could have put you in a better winning position than Josh Dobbs will. Yeah, so I think they brought in a quarterback who's not good, but could end up winning a couple of games and they not, they end up with a draft pick that isn't going to help the team as much as like is going to end up being lower than it could have possibly been. So that's all. Um, okay. I, I got, I got one more thought and then we'll, we'll move on to the other things. We'll move on to the upcoming weekend. I'm also surprised the Titans just didn't do anything. And I really think that it was their one win that convinced them that they were good. It was beating up on Atlanta and having Will Levis go way the hell off that convinced them that they were a good team. And they looked kind of ridiculous after that when they then lost to the Steelers and only put up 16 points. But they traded Kevin Byard to Philly for Terrell Edmonds, a fifth rounder and a sixth rounder. They held on Derrick Henry, who only has void years left after this year and is like 30. They held on D-Hop, who only has one non-void year left. And it all really seems to stem from the fact that Will Levis popped off for one game. It is like the king of all small sample sizes. The massive sliding door moment for Tennessee. Yeah, like if Will Levis had come out and his first pass had been picked off, and he just like, his, he like emotionally crumbled after that, this team might have walked away with like a bag of day two picks by moving off some of their top end players and going, well... Let's tank for a couple of years. We'll keep Vrabel around. He's a good coach. We'll see if we have anything in Well what Jesus. Willis or Wells. What? I can't do this. I can't say both their names. In Willis or Levis. There you go. 
and we'll just get everyone outside the building. You know, they have they could have built something there by just saying like, all right, it's it's Traylon Burks, it's Will Levis, and everything else we are willing to to tear down and build back up. Especially, especially with big name high end chips that you know someone in the NFL would have traded for, like Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins. Like not to keep going to the well, but you think the Chiefs wouldn't throw you a couple picks for D Hop? I mean, they they just traded a day three pick or a day two pick for McCole fucking Hardman. Yeah. You think they wouldn't say, here's a fourth rounder for DeAndre Hopkins. Here's a third rounder for DeAndre Hopkins. The the outlook for this team is not good. So even though you just signed D-Hop, it was probably a good time to go ahead and make a a UE on that and flip him for something else. Even if it's not what you gave up to get him. Well, you, you, you didn't give up anything, but even if you feel like the dead cap hit from this one season that still can't be that much you he has what one year left before his void yeah. year yeah. yeah so it can't be that bad and if no. you're going to rebuild whatever take a dead cap take a bad dead cap hit for a season man i love the internet i just googled d hop spot track and spelled spot track wrong still got the the thing i was looking for yeah after this season uh he's only a 7.85 million dollar cap hit so yeah. i guess they could trade him this off season and just not have much of a dead cap. That could be the move for them. It just felt like they should have done something at the trade deadline, I guess I should say. I mean, their their dead cap hit only drops by $3 million, trading him at the end of the season. But you could have you gotten something for Derrick Henry, who only has void years left. You could have gotten something for Ryan Tannehill, despite the injury. It just seems so weird that they stand, stood pat. More teams need to realize when they aren't in Super Bowl contention, that it's better to offload assets than it is to stay in the messy middle. I would love... This happens sometimes in the NBA. Some insider gets the scoop scoop on what a team offered for a player. I'd love to hear the teams that were allegedly calling Tennessee for Derrick Henry what they were offering and figure like to hear what Tennessee said no to. Because I bet you there might be... Some, there'll probably be a couple offers where we're sitting here saying... That you should have taken that for an aging running back. I bet there was such a range on it. Like if, if people were really reaching out, which it seems like there was. There was there was mm-hmm. rumors early enough in the week that it looked like Derrick Henry was getting moved. But I want like the you have to imagine like the range on that, right? Like I bet Bill Belichick called him and offered like a 25 seventh. But then I bet there was some other team, like, I don't know, Seattle, that was like third round pick. And you said his contract's done after this year, right? Yeah, only void years left. This is this is his his last year before he's a free agent. And I don't know how void years work. If there's a dead cap for trading a void, like I have no fucking clue. No but one knows, it, Mike. No one does know. That's why it's the void year. Everything about how it works is lost in the void. Yeah, that's so. That's the other thing. God, they they need to simplify the NFL's yeah. salary cap. But his dead cap this year would have been twenty million. But during the off season, once the new new league year starts, it's only four million. And the, my and this will kind of be my last point here, but the same way that we're saying, just keep riding it out with Levis, see what you got, how he plays. Same thing. Move Derrick Henry, get something for him, and then see what you got in Tajay Spears. I really yeah. like Tajay Spears. He was awesome at Tulane. See what you got in him. Also, if I know, I know we we definitely need to move on. But if you're not going to be in Super Bowl contention, what does it matter if your cap situation is not great? Move players that are going to have a big dead cap hit. It'll be off your books by the time you really need it. Yeah. You go out, you use these picks on rookies who are on cheap deals. You'll be fine. 
I also like how when I start mentioning Tulane, you're like, yeah, we've definitely gone off the rails. Time to move on. Well, I know. I know how I'm on rotten ice right now. If I let you start talking about Tulane, then this podcast could be two and a half, three hours. Yeah. All right, Mike, you uh, ready to talk about some week nine football action? Yeah, are we starting with Atlanta? Yeah, starting with Atlanta. Tight. You ever watch the movie? That's the one with uh, Chris Brown. Or T.I. T.I., that's it, yeah. Yeah. T.I. I almost said uh, T-Pain, so we were both off. <laughs> what do you know about that? Nothing, apparently. Oh, uh, my, the old me's dead and gone. There you go. Mm. I had two T.I.s inside of me. I had a I had a two TI. That doesn't sound good. Gotta go to the doctor after this. Um <laughs> All right, Mike. So this week we have the fighting Jaron Halls at the Atlanta Falcons. Opening line on this was Vikes minus one. It has now been bet to Atlanta minus three and a half. Over under sits at thirty seven and a half. Jaron Hall is starting for Minnesota. Taylor Heineke starting for Atlanta. Drake London is out, and Justin Jefferson is out. What a barn burner top line heavyweight bout this is gonna be. Yeah, that, that makes sense because I was on FanDuel today cooking up my same game parlay. And I think it was when I went to like receptions over and like receiving yards over. I think they currently might only have Bijan listed. I can double check, but they did not have a lot of names up there for Atlanta. Yeah, I had to go to, I had to, go to DraftKings to get my same game parlay to, together this week. Yeah, real quick. Let's see. Oh, and if you go to player total receptions, it's just Vikings players on FanDuel. If you go to receiving yards, it's it's just Bijan for Atlanta. Pitts isn't out, is he? I have no idea. I, I haven't seen anything about that. I mean, he wasn't on any report or anything. Yeah. All right. Well, Mike, if, if you had the option between either watching this Vikings-Falcons game, and it's the only game you can have on, right? One screen... No phone, nothing. You just have to sit down and watch this game start to finish in real time. Mm-hmm. Or you had to rewatch The Irishman. Which one of those two are you taking? I mean, this game would be shorter. Yeah, marginally. <laughs> I'd, pr- I'd pay more attention to The Irishman, though. And I get to watch De Niro's old man run. <laughs> yeah. So. Which he unfortunately know. doesn't do in Killers of a Flower Moon. Oh, that's a bummer. Just always sitting in that movie. Everywhere you go, he's just fucking sitting. Yeah, Kyle Pitts is not. I'm on covers.com, and he is not on the injury report there. So, hmm. yeah, I hadn't seen anything about that, but you're right. I didn't really see. I don't think I saw Pitts passing props. Whoa. Weird. Or Matt Collins? of your week. Maybe that has to do with uh, Heineke. I don't know. It's weird. Where's the Scotty Miller passing props <laughs> for the real gambling degenerates? All right, so kind of my my betting thesis this week is you got to bet the under here. I don't know how you could put together a same-game parlay without betting the under. It's 37.5, which is outrageously low. But seriously, Mike, seriously, can you picture either of these teams breaking 20 points? No, I have, like, in my mind, I see this game being, like, 2016 Atlanta. 2012 like something like that like maybe maybe atlanta hits 20 but i definitely don't think minnesota's hitting 20 i think that this game ends up in the range of the jets giants game last week 
but in regulations, Dev needing to go to overtime for that. So like 13-10, 14-10, something around there. Um, Atlanta, still the top-ranked defense in rush EPA. Giants, 14th-ranked in rush defense, 12th-ranked overall. Hard to really tell you offensive stats because both starting quarterbacks are out, or backup quarterbacks are in, I should say. Uh, Drake London's out. Justin Jefferson's out. It's hard to really tell how these offenses are going to perform, but the defenses that are largely intact have been at least top half of the league, if not higher. Uh, you got any thoughts on this, or you want to just hit the uh, parlays real quick? Real quick, all I can tell you about Jaron Hall is he threw for 3,300 yards, and or I think it was like 30, maybe it might have been like 35 or 36, over 3,000 yards and 33 touchdowns in his final season at BYU. That's all I got. And I was surprised to find out that Minnesota – uh, coverage grade is actually like in the top half of the league on PFF. I didn't expect that. Yeah, they, they've been like a solid, if unnotable, coverage unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, is BYU one of those teams that plays on the ugly colored fields? No, you're thinking of Boise. Okay, yeah, that ugly ass blue one. Yeah. Unwatchable. Boise games, fucking unwatchable. What are we talking about? Oh, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. far less. Uh, all right, so I'll just run down mine real quick. It's only a three legger this week. <laughs> I just. Oh, five-legger. Damn. Um, so, like I said, got to bet the under. Under 37 and a half. John U. Smith, over two and a half receptions. You know, Heineke likes throwing to his tight ends. And Taylor Heineke, over three and a half rushing attempts. Uh, Heineke bails out of the pocket and takes off a lot more than Desmond Ritter did. And this Minnesota pass rush is nothing notable. Um, only gets me to plus 600, but this seems like the best I'm going to get at a shot of a winner all season since I've missed, like, Seven of the eight weeks by one leg. My parlay, like I said, it is five legs. Right off the bat, I'm taking Atlanta money line, which isn't amazing. It's like minus 186, but it's a good leg to throw in there to increase your odds. Uh, next up, I'm with you on the under 37 and a half. I don't know why, but when an under gets set very low, I just I am just want to go under that again. Like an over-under, I mean, gets set really low. I just get so enticed to take the under. <laughs> I can't help it. Uh, Flop around in the muck. Yeah, I don't know why. Other than that, we got... I feel like I keep banking on this, and it, it doesn't go well for me on the weeks when I try to do it, but I, I'm feeling a big Bijan day. I'm feeling a big Bijan day. What illness got... do you think he'll come down with right before game time this week? Yeah, but instead of being on the just being out of the game on the injury report, he'll play one snap and then FanDuel can be like, well, we in game. Sorry about it. <laughs> um, I got him 60 plus. I think his over under was set at uh, like 50 something. I wanted to bump it up a little bit. 60 plus at minus 104. I'm also, I, I usually don't like doing it, but I went with an anytime touchdown score prop and I went Bijan at plus 115. And then lastly, I don't know. I always like taking these. I think Heineke might scramble a couple times. I have him over rushing yards at 14 and a half. Um, so you took the over on rushing yards and I took the over on rushing attempts for Heineke. There you go. Yeah, so we're on the same page. You also think Heineke is going to take off. Um, total odds. Plum is plus 1638. Once again, on FanDuel, got 50% profit boost. <laughs> Threw it on there. And so I got it at plus 2457. All right, run down yours again real quick. Just just give me the le- individual legs. Atlanta money line under. 
total points. Bijan 60 plus rushing, Bijan touchdown, and Heineke over 14 and a half rushing. And I have under 37 and a half, John Smith over two and a half receptions, and Taylor Heineke over three and a half rushing attempts. Does a kneel down count as a rushing attempt? I should have looked that up. I think it does, uh, doesn't it? I think it, it, it affects your rushing it affects stats. The it affects, yeah, the it affects the yards. So it should. All right, Mike, any more thoughts on Atlanta, Minnesota? No, I'm just thinking that if Heineke just takes off once and then they have the lead with like two minutes left and Minnesota has no timeouts, that's like three kneels and you would hit your over. Yeah. <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking genius. <laughs> All right. Week nine time. Nine, uh, universally known as the ninth week of the NFL season. Teams on bye this week, Denver Broncos, Detroit Lions, Jacksonville Jaguars, San Francisco 49ers. If you're new to the podcast, what we basically do here is we each pick a game of the week. Uh, we'll go through our notes on that game. We'll give our score prediction, and then we'll give an oddly specific prediction, and then we'll just talk about some other interesting games on the week. I made some notes on stuff that I think you'll talk about, even though you didn't let me know this time. So here's hoping that I didn't just make notes for no reason. We'll start with my game of the week. I went with the Germany game. Kansas City, Miami, in Germany, bright and early, 8.51 Central Standard Time. 8. 51 Central Standard Time. The line opened at Kansas City minus five, now moved all the way down to Kansas City minus one and a half. The over-under sits at 51. This is going to be a weird fucking game, man. They're traveling to Germany. Yeah. Some of these players get all drunk the night before, shooting the boot. Yeah. You got to turn it, watch out for the bubble. Fuck, you beat me to it. (laughs) Um, I don't... Like, on paper, like this could be an awesome game, but it's also one of the Europe games, so it could turn into a total boring shit show of a game. I'm a little surprised. You said 51 and a half. FanDuel has it at 50 and a half for the over-under. I'm a little, I thought it'd be a little bit higher than that, but maybe Kansas City's offensive performance against Denver brought it down a few points. I also don't know if I ever see over-unders much higher than 51. This game could easily end up... Man, maybe not. I do really like Kansas City's defense. Yeah, well, Miami's right. offense is really good. All right, go ahead. There you go. You bridged me perfectly into it. Kansas City has the fourth-ranked drop pack EPA per play. Uh, Miami is second-ranked uh, in EPA per play and first-ranked in rush EPA per play. So good defense going against a good offense. Kansas City has the third-ranked pass defense and a terrible run defense. So we'll see really how that that uh, weighs itself out. Might be a big, 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 big Rashid Jesus Christ Raheem Mostert game. Or Jeff Wilson Jr., you know? Yeah. Um, Miami leads the league in points per game. That's not surprising at all. We're finally getting the matchup we're waiting for there, there Mike, though. Jalen Ramsey. Rashi Rice. Who will get the better of the other one? Hey, don't sleep on Rashi. He's having a year. What is a year to you? 600 yards and two touchdowns? He's, yeah, you know, compared to the other wideouts on that team, he's doing pretty fucking good. Yeah, but there's like an outside chance that I could make slot on that team right now. I mean, they'd probably take every possible. Well, uh, also, if I showed up, they wouldn't be able to tell me or Travis Kelsey apart. So now I get confusing. Uh, Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey are listed questionable. They they both were partial participants in practice. They'll be yeah, fine. Um, I think that it's great that this game happened so early because this will be like uh, people wake up and it'll already be six minutes into the second quarter. Mm-hmm. 
I'll be watching this one at the gym, I'm sure. And also, unlike the London games, this one's going to get over, and it's going to be like three hours until regular kickoff. What am I supposed to do with that time? You can go see Killers of a Flower Moon. Oh, yeah. Wait until right when that game ends. Go see Killers of a Flower Moon. Come back for the 1 o'clock games. That's a good idea. Looking at the injury report, I saw that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is out, and I went, oh, yeah, I forgot he's on Kansas City. <laughs> he's the guy that's not Isaiah Pacheco. Some people forget about him. Yeah. I, I totally forgot about him. Uh, I don't know. I, I Honestly, this could be a, it's kind of a, like a toss-up game for me. I wish that I wish that spread was a little bit... If that spread was a little bit higher, because it was three and a half, I think I'd take Miami to keep it within I, a field goal. I think the right move here is to bet the under and then also bet like some insane offensive overs because one of those two things is going to hit, right? It's either mm-hmm. going to be that the defense is totally gassed and jet-lagged and all went out drinking the night before or something, and the offenses are on fire, or everyone's terrible and the game's going to be terrible. I so, will like to bet under 51 and then bet like over Mahomes and Tua on passing yards parlayed together. You know how like teams show up all wearing something, some theme, they're all wearing a funny outfit or interesting outfit, it always. All over social media. If one of these teams shows up and they're all rocking leader hosens, I'm putting multiple units on them. Biggest bet of the year is on the Kansas City defense because they all showed up wearing leader hosen and the little hats. Hell yeah. <laughs> all right. My final score prediction for this 32 25 Miami. I like this Kansas City team. I just think that this is going to be a weird game. And when weird games happen, just pick the team that's fast. My oddly specific prediction, though. This is uh, also weird given my prediction. I'm now realizing my score prediction. My oddly specific prediction, Tyreek Hill under 50 yards, Jalen Waddle over 100. Oh, a good big J- Jalen Waddle day? Big Jalen Waddle day. Is he getting to over 100 on like two deep shots? <laughs> 16 catches over 100 yards. How about that? Oh is that oddly specific? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so I like Kansas City. I think people are lulled into a false sense of security because of the way they played against Denver and Mahomes failed failed flu game. So I actually like Kansas City. I'm going to say 30 to 10. Or no, sorry, 30 to 20. I kind of, I, I know originally I said I kind of like the Dolphins to keep it within, but this just seems one of those games where people expect it to be closer than it ends up being because Kansas City just turns it on. So I kind of like that. And my oddly specific prediction, since you were shit-talking him, I'm going to say Rashi Rice. 85 yards, two touchdowns. Damn. That is oddly specific. Yeah. Um, I also love that every week you forget about the oddly specific predictions. And so this week you took an oddly specific prediction on my game, which we have never done before. I I, I didn't know which one I was supposed to do it on, so I was just like... I'll, I'll do it on your game of the week there, brother. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Once again, we do do this every week. Mike just always forgets between weeks that we have all these specific predictions. I suck. All right, Mike, what's your game of the week, week nine? Well, I mean, obviously it's very biased, but I'm going Sunday night. Chris Collinsworth, Josh Allen, looking back there. He's big. So big. <laughs> 
got that arm. You can make throws people, other people can't. I'm going Bills at Cincinnati. The NFL has a conspiracy against us. So, of course, second year in a row, we're going to Cincinnati. Uh, total bullshit. But what are you going to do? This is a big game for Buffalo. Cincinnati really had us figured out. Like, the DeMar Hamlin game, if that didn't happen, we weren't winning that game. Cincinnati was rolling, and they showed it even more in the playoffs when they took care of Bennis very easily. So this is a really big game for the Bills to try to show what they can do. And it'd also be interesting to see, it appears Burrow's back, and he's got it together. But does he? Last time you popped off the game the following week, he didn't do as well. Yeah, just uh, the headline real quick. Um, Bengals minus one and a half at home, which one and a half is about the home bump now. I mean, some people, like I think Warren Sharp says the, the home betting bump should be around 0.6 of a point at this point. But I think Vegas is, is handicapping it at about a point and a half right now. Over under 50 and a half. Uh, Joe Burrow returning to form. DeMar Hamlin revenge game. Do you think we see him kill T. Higgins this year? <laughs> Do I have to cut that out? Is that too insensitive? <laughs> I don't know, but I, no, I think he just comes up behind him and puts him in a sleeper hold. Go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. <laughs> takes him out. Uh, no, Do you think I we see DeMar Hamlin show up like 50 Cent wearing like the bulletproof vest, nothing underneath? That'd be pretty badass. That'd be pretty badass. Even more badass if he was upside down like he was in the Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> what Old a twist that was. Yeah. I'm sorry. I could not believe that. That was amazing. Uh, Obviously, this is a very depleted Bills defense, so I am very worried. The secondary against DeMar Chase and T. Higgins. Kyler Elam's out, too. I mean, I don't know how much that really affects us because he wasn't playing great, but it's still another body down. I don't know if... Listen, I know the trade deadline passed. Right now, Josh Allen for Emmanuel Forbes. I'm not saying no. I am. I am saying no. Um, I don't know if... I can't tell you if Jalen Johnson's coming over and getting put, not Jalen Johnson, uh, Rasul Douglas is coming over and getting put right in. Fucking Freudian slip. Now we know who you really wanted this whole time. Try and talk <laughs> yourself into Rasul Douglas. Still, still believe in that Jalen Johnson hype. I'm still hoping that Sertan trade is just in the queue yeah. for the league and they haven't, haven't noticed it yet. Uh, I heard that so, uh, Sertan had a six team, no trade that no one knew about until Tuesday. So I really broke that away. Yeah. And it's an this Ev- is a- Evgeny Dodonov joke. That just is probably going to get cut out of the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Um, this is a Bengals defense that can get pressure. Fifth ranked per PFF grade. I, I don't know. Our offensive line is on the numbers. Doesn't look at is looking like it's been playing good, but I feel like sometimes it can still be kind of shaky. So I don't know how great I feel about that. But Bengals have struggled struggled in coverage. And I think they are going to exploit that. A lot of quick outs. We've seen Josh over the last week, especially, spreading the ball around. Kincaid's getting in there. And it's going to be all Kincaid because Dawson Knox is out again. Get some Kincaid work. My boy Khalil Shakir is finally getting the targets he's always deserved. I mean, I, I think I said it in on Monday, but the dependency on Diggs was starting to become a problem for the way defenses could key in on him. Now that... Joshy spreading the ball. We're we're just we're undeniable. We're un, we're unbeatable now. <laughs> Unstoppable on offense. Playoff Lenny. I don't think he's playing, but just having him on the team boosts morale. Uh, what you you said the line was one and a half right now? Yeah, since he one and a half. Yeah, I wrote um, down that I, I wanted couple, to pull up. 
couple okay. of notes here while you pull that up. Uh, Khalil Shakur last week was on the field for 65% of the offensive snaps, which was by far his season high. He finally, after last week, was the first week when he finally usurped Deontay Hardy's season-long snaps. Uh, and he's still behind Trent Shurfield. He's playing more snaps than Trent Shurfield now, but he's still behind total snaps on uh, Trent Shurfield. Um, what? What's up? A lot of those snaps have to, have to be special teams. I feel like I never see Trent Shurfield never comes up on my TV screen. Um, Josh Allen, in my humble opinion, has been the best quarterback in the league this year. I, I know that there's games where you don't see it, and I know that everyone loves to talk about, oh, two of this, and Patrick Mahomes that, and Will Levis is the best quarterback now. But when... When Joshy Allen is distributing the way he's been distributing in their wins, there's no one better than him. I mean, it's just the the threat of that West Coast offense with the deep shot at any point. Having Josh Allen, who can throw a ball on a frozen rope into a tight window, and now that he's processing, reading, dumping the ball off, not taking risks running around, he has just been absolutely phenomenal. And with the the Bengals, their strength is their defensive line and their safety group. So we could see a ton of work underneath. We could see a lot of catches outside the numbers in the short to middle range. We could see a lot of catches over the middle on uh, to Dawson Knox, not Dawson Knox, to Dalton Kincaid when you have deep routes to Gabe Davis and um, uh, Stephon, I keep wanting to call him Stephon Gilmore, Stephon Diggs. I think that we see kind of a light game for Stephon Diggs because of the safety group and how they're just going to double him the whole time. But we're going to see another game where Josh Allen is just slanging it around and and... Every drive's going to be like eight, nine plays, 65 yards, and a touchdown. This is going to be a high-scoring fucking game, man. I totally agree with that. I also agree with your Josh Allen point. I feel like, in general, people are quick when a team with a good quarterback loses to go after the QB. But in the Bills' losses, go back and look at it. Watch some of the tape. It's not... I don't think... I Also, in my humble opinion, would say those are not losses that are... in. Josh Allen's fault. I can't speak Dude, anymore. I had talked um, you all the way back off the ledge after that London game. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, well no. I, I think I even said Josh finished with a, like, a good game. Um, yeah, general, I, I, I I've also had to talk you back off the ledge off the Ken Dorsey uh, <laughs> firings. I think Ken Dorsey's good. I, I, I definitely hope you're right. I also, to speak on another one of your points, one, hey, Dorsey, James Cook. Short passes to James Cook. Uh, Leonard Fournette. <laughs> Fine, whatever. But no, James Cook is very athletic. Get him the ball, block downfield. And the short passes, as we talk about, if we can start bringing the defense in a little bit, if those safeties can come down to key in on digs on some of his shorter routes, if we can get a few shots of Gabe Dave, Gabe Dave, Gabe Dave. <laughs> In man coverage, that if you if you they line up and they see prior to that, like we think we got Gabe Dave man coverage, you hot route. That boy's running to go because big body, and I think he can win if you give Josh a little bit of time to uncork it. I also agree though, high scoring game. I have, I'm going to be alt spreading this. I'm going to be betting it. I'm flipping it to. I think the Bills are going to be a field goal better. I'm flipping that to minus two and a half Buffalo at plus one thirty two. And I think this game ends. How it ends is also my oddly specific prediction. It's going to end 34-31. Tyler Bass 
is going to hit a 52-yard walk-off field goal. You do get really specific. 50 plus. 50 plus, actually. <laughs> it's a little less specific. Um, yeah, I just my last note on this game. Uh, Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator for the Bengals, notoriously a guy that does more with less and tends to be the best defensive coordinator in the league against top quarterbacks. Um, he's the reason the Bengals keep playing in the AFC championship game in the Super Bowl is because when top quarterbacks in the AFC, like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen go up against Luana Rumo, he knows how to beat them. But here's the thing. And just to, to point out the last uh, two, the two, I can't remember if it was two or three games. I, I'm sorry. I didn't write down the number of games. But the last two or three games that Allen has played against Luana Rumo, his EPA per dropback is 0.031, which is still positive, but it would be a career low number for him. Like that's a worse EPA per dropback than his rookie year. Wow. But if you if you watch those games, those games Josh Allen has played against Luana Rumo are games where he's trying to go deep. It's it's like Josh Allen hero ball mode. If we see Josh Allen surgical hit the the routes that are working for you mode. There's no defense in the league that can stop that. He's just so good at that. Yeah, he's so got I challenge, a... I challenge you, Big Lou. Challenge you to try to stop Josh Allen if he's throwing 11-yard outs. As I was saying, be patient and look for those two or three, maybe even one or two moments you have to go deep. Don't force it. Don't force it. And I think Josh has done a lot better job since like, the Jets' loss of not going into that hero mode and being patient. Yeah, I agree. Jets loss has really been the only blight on this offensive record, in my opinion. I mean, they, you know, they've had a couple of other losses in there, but they've played exceptionally well. Mm -hmm. All right, Mike, uh, I got a couple more games we want to cover here. Um, first off, the other game that we didn't pick for game of the week that probably is going to end up being game of the week, Dallas at Philly. Yeah. This is a four o'clock slate game. I... I don't care what the broadcast rules are. They're, the NFL is the juggernaut of American media. Like, networks are begging to get NFL games. Nickelodeon is airing NFL stuff. Anyone would give their firstborn child to cover the NFL if they're a network executive. The NFL needs to flex its muscles a little bit and move this goddamn Dallas Philly game to Monday Night Football, because currently the Jets-Chargers is Monday Night Football. We don't need to see the Jets in primetime anymore. I, I don't know. There's something about NFC East 4 o'clock matchups make me feel nostalgic and all. That's me, know, NFC, NFC East 1 o'clock, but that's because Washington has been bad for so long that all their <laughs> games are at 1 o'clock. Uh, the line on this, Philly minus 3, over under 46.5. That over under seems like Maybe like a point or two too low. The Eagles have scored under 20 points only one time this season, and they've scored over 34 times. They lead the league in EPA per play since week five. A.J. Brown has had 125 yards in like six or seven straight games. I mean, he's just been ridiculous. He's been the best wide receiver in football. Dak, I think, has been playing the best football of his career this season. I mean, just like tippity top tier football. Since their loss to the 49ers, Dak has been the top QB by EPA per dropback. And they have, they, we're also getting the 5th and 11th ranked defenses against each other. This is going to be a really fucking, like this, if these two teams, if we could also, since we're flexing this into the Monday night schedule anyways, if we could also flex one of these teams into the AFC, that would make for a phenomenal Super Bowl. 
yeah, I gotta say, the thing I'm looking forward to probably the most in this game is both these teams can bring the pressure, can bring the heat. Like Micah yeah. Parsons, just a fucking monster. Baby Rhino, love watching him play this year. Just absolutely stacked defensive lines on both sides. And then you even have great secondary play coming from Dallas so far this season. Um, you have great linebacker play coming from Philly. Kevin Byard has now a couple of weeks under his belt in the system. And then on offense, like C.D. Lamb and A.J. Brown were the two top fancy point receivers last week. I was just going to say, one of the really interesting things is we saw what the Jets did to Jalen Hurts. And it was a weird game, but they still caused him a lot of problems and he had a lot of turnovers. And this is probably, I think it's fair to say this is the best front seven he's come up against since then. Yeah, absolutely is. And Washington hung with them with a solid front seven, although Philly still put up points. I mean, they still were scoring 30-plus points, 34 and 35, uh, respectively. Um, but that's a good front seven to, to go up against. Honestly, this probably should be game of the week. But I just love me some early morning football. So I'm sorry, Dallas-Philly. Um, I'm, you know, quietly going to bet on Philly and root for them because I can't stand it when Dallas wins, despite how I have my entire career stocked in Dak Prescott as a good quarterback. Um, just can't root for Dallas, man. Just can't do it. Can't bring myself to do it. Fucking Mike McCarthy. Fuck him. Fuck Jerry Jones, too. I just got to give out a you. Because Micah Bar- <laughs> Keeps poor company. Look at Micah Parsons has a 22 percent win rate baby rhino jalen carter has a 21 percent win rate this game's gonna be fucking fun i'm so looking forward to this yeah this is gonna be another game where like someone's gonna stop the tush push at some point on the goal line and that's gonna be all over twitter i mean twitter's gonna blow up when this happens Mm -hmm. all right uh mike you got any other games of the week i had another one jotted down here Oh, no. My other one was Kansas City, Miami. So we did cover it. You're not looking forward to Jets Chargers on Monday. <laughs> no. I'll keep. I did. I'll, Go ahead. I'll be, Finish your I'll be, thoughts. I'll be keeping tabs on Colts Panthers just because of my Bryce Young priors. Yeah. You're, Bryce Young to you is what Dak Prescott is to me. You're the Bryce Young is actually a good guy. Hey, we covered my team. So it's real quick. How do you feel about the commies going to New England? I don't know. Getting getting a sneak peek on our future head coach, I guess. Who's your future head coach? Bill Belichick. Oh, really? He just signed a contract extension. <laughs> but have you not heard the rumors that Washington's going to trade for him? When was the last time there was a coach trade? Sean Payton. Oh, yeah. Must be because they still had his contract because he retired. <laughs> Literally <laughs> last year. <laughs> that does not count. They traded a first for him. How does that not count? Okay. I guess technically, by definition, it counts. Speaking of coaches, are we going to give a eulogy to poor Joshy McD? Yeah, it's my other game here, brother. Maybe you should read the rundown, brother. You're going to talk about the game here in a second, brother? Speak on it, brother. Any other games to talk about first, brother? Preach. No. Hmm. All right. Last game. Got to bring it up. Giants at Las Vegas. This, what a dog shit game. Just, Just to start. What a fucking terrible game. Mike. Don't don't look it up unless you already have. Have you already looked up the line for this game? No, I haven't. Okay. What, I was what really your, just about to do that. What, what would your guess be for the line? I don't know. Like Raiders minus two and a half. And what would your guess be for the over-under? 
35 and a half. <laughs> Over under 37 and a half. Raiders minus one and a half. So nice job. Pretty close. Uh, obviously, Josh McDaniels and offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi get fired. Their GM does too, but that's not as relevant to talking about football on a week-to-week basis. Antonio Pierce takes over as the interim coach, who I think was their linebackers coach. Mark Davis did an interview where he's like, yeah, I didn't even know who that guy was until he interviewed for the job. Way to know your team, Mark Davis. <laughs> Wouldn't Mark Davis is the king of saying the quiet parts loud. Yeah. That's a thought in his head that he's, oh, did I say that out loud? Yeah. Like if he's in a sitcom, they would do the whole bit where it looks like he's thinking something and they pan out and everyone heard it. Man, I hope, I hope no one asked me a question about who Antonio Pierce is. I don't even know. Uh, we're getting Aiden, the preseason guy, O'Connell starting. The return of Daniel Jones. Ooh. Once again, another weird team that didn't do anything. The Raiders didn't trade Devontae or Jacoby Myers or Hunter Renfro. But we, we do need to sit here and talk about a, a deep and dear loss to the Town Alone family this week. We lose a stalwart of our Monday show, the Brandon Staley Memorial, worst coaching decision of the week. Josh McDaniels goes to the annals of history, probably to never head coach again. Uh, I just want to thank Josh Daniels personally. You made content very easy on a Monday when you repeatedly punted when you shouldn't have and kicked field goals when you shouldn't have. Uh, it made it really easy for us to come in here and say, Hey, the worst coaching decision of the week is when Josh McDaniels kicked a field goal from the 30 down 18 points. Um, I really appreciate those times we had together. And I'm going to miss having you around, Josh. Uh, I hope that you get a head coaching job, preferably with the Dallas Cowboys. That would be, that'd be good for me. Um, maybe, you know, if we were being kind to Mike, since Mike has suffered for so long, he takes over after Belichick leaves for the, the commanders. And we get... Uh, a solid three, four years of Josh McDaniels coaching the Patriots. But I'm going to miss you, man. And I hope we see you in the NFL again. I hope we see you in a head coaching decision or a head coaching position, once again deciding to kick from the 50 on fourth and one. Joshy, Joshy McDee, if you're listening to me, I have some advice for you. Just be an offensive coordinator. You're actually pretty good at it, man. You got Mac Jones to 3,800 yards his rookie season. Like you're a really good OC, just keep doing it, dude. Just keep do- some. There's been like, I mentioned his name earlier in the year, like Jeff Schwartz, amazing defensive. He's done. He's had years where he was just like an amazing defensive coordinator, and he hasn't gone back to head coaching. He either hasn't gotten the offers, or he's like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need the pressure. McDaniel's, just go back, be an offensive coordinator. We could have an opening in Buffalo. I don't know. Yeah, we need stop it. Ken Dorsey's better than Josh McDaniels. We need a definitive list of guys who should never be head coaches but should always have a job. Yeah. Like, you know who's a, a good one for that? Is that fucker from San Francisco, Jim Tom Sula? Mm-hmm. That guy's like one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL. Terrible head coach. Didn't even make it a full year. He's another name we've mentioned before, but Steve Spagnola. KC's defensive coordinator. That's an amazing defense. He's been doing awesome. Wade Phillips. Yes, that's another one. Not a good head coach. Yeah, not a good head coach. Head coached for Houston for a while and was not good. (laughs) Mike, did you have any other uh, Josh McDaniels thoughts? Any other thoughts on Aiden, the preseason guy, O'Connell, Daniel Jones? Any thoughts on Daniel Jones? Darren Waller's out. I saw that. Graham Gano's out. How? What did, how the fuck does a kicker get hurt? <laughs> He's on IR what, with get, IR. Do you get in a scooter accident? How does a kicker get hurt? He's out indefinitely with a knee injury. 
as of November 3rd. So that very well, in a game this shitty, a kicker injury could definitely decide it. Don't you kind of hope this game ends 3-0 after Graham, after Graham Gano's replacement misses a field goal? No, I'm hoping that, like, big field goal coming up, and all of a sudden they're like, who's that coming out of the tunnel on crutches? My God, it's Graham Gano! I didn't know which direction you were going. I kind of thought that it was going to be, uh, like, a big field goal coming up, and Josh McDaniels comes through the, the, <laughs> to the tube and goes, we're going for it! <laughs> Uh, the the chosen one returns to us. Uh, all right, Mike. Any other any other week nine thoughts? Are you ready to get out of here? How long have we been recording for? Is this a long one? It's like an hour and a half. Fuck me. It's pretty huge. Hey, uh, no, I just want to say, did you have you heard? We're not gonna talk about it, but have you heard the wild, the latest crazy Connor Stallions developments? I've I've seen like the headline. No, you got you got to me the rundown on this. So people have been photos have come out of someone that appears to be Connor Stallions on the sideline of Central Michigan. He's wearing sunglasses, a hat. He's wearing like Central Michigan get up to look like one of the coaches. And he has like a coaching visitor pass. And people are saying he somehow infiltrated the Central Michigan sideline <laughs> to watch Michigan State and steal their signals. But not um, steal Central Michigan signals. He has a goatee, but it would have just been really good if you put on a big fake mustache. <laughs> um, made my day. <laughs> you also have to wonder, like, how did he get onto that sideline? You think, like, he honeypotted someone? Like, he had sex with one of the coaches and then blackmailed them with, like, photos? He's like, you'll get me on the sidelines of the Central Michigan-Michigan State game. Or I'm going to tell everyone you had gay sex with me. Well, like, there was a situation one year, and... I was just, there was a podcast I was listening to brought it up and I can't remember anything about it, but there's basically a coach who's in the big 12, a coach for one team was in town for a wedding and the head coach of this team used to be an offensive coordinator on the team he was coaching. So they were like, Hey, you know, like come to the game. He was like on the sidelines, like just to be there to watch support his former OC. And they got in a little bit of trouble for that because it's really not something you're allowed to do. <laughs> But as the details came out, they realized that was more harmless. But, you know, Connor Stallions, military mastermind, master of disguise, the most dangerous man, covert ops in NCAA. This, like, at this point, it's becoming so absurd that the NCAA should just bow out. They should be like, you know what? We're not investigating this anymore. He got well, away with it. It's funny because all the Big Ten coaches allegedly are getting pissed at the Big Ten for not taking action at some point. And it's like, of course you want them to. You're in the Big Ten with Michigan. <laughs> like, of course you're the one, like, hammering down for some to strike them down with some sanctions or something. I don't know. It's going to be great when Michigan goes on to win the, uh, the college football playoff this year, take home their first national championship trophy. And everyone's like, well, it doesn't count. <laughs> He's Connor Stallions with stealing sideline signals. Yeah. And then there was some story that if Harbaugh does run off to the NFL, he could face punishment from Goodell. Like, Goodell, I don't know if he can do that. And there's no way that, like, he listens to the owners. So there's no way that they would let that happen. It's just crazy. All I know is Michigan... They're going to shit kick Penn State in a couple of weeks and they're going to shit kick Ohio State at the end of the season. 
So. All right. Well, tune in more for the official Connor Stallion podcast. Has anyone interviewed this guy yet? I don't think I don't think anybody's gotten the interview. Maybe I'm trying to think of someone who would Why get can't it. we do it? Reach out to uh, him. Tell him Oprah. we'll be favorable. Tell him we're on his fucking side. I'm a big fan. <laughs> tell him that. Go DM him on Twitter or something. We can get him on the podcast, right? I'll <laughs> fucking talk to him for hours. I think he deactivated all of his social media. And he just, you know what we need to do then? We need to buy tickets to every Big Ten game and look for guys wearing a giant fake mustache. The info's gotten wild because he's been like this Michigan super fan. And apparently he wrote some like crazy manifesto on how he was going to lead Michigan to a national title. <laughs> so like, I don't I'm know. Sure, I'm sure he wrote that when he was like 13, 14, but I love the idea that he wrote it like last year. I think I think it was dated last year. This is absolutely ridiculous. So speaking right, of college football, yeah. any final thoughts on college football there? I'll go ahead and plug after we get off here. I'm putting the finishing touches on on Saturday. I know I'm late, people. Give me a break. Uh, but that will be dropping tonight as well. And follow me at Town Alone, Mike. You got the basketball tomorrow. Team Town Alone came out yesterday. We'll have another podcast right here in this feed on Monday. We're cover- covering the results of the week nine of NFL action, as well as uh, probably some mid-season look-ahead stuff. Uh, keep your eye out, townalone.com. It's getting towards, uh, I was about to say towards the middle of November. It's November 3rd. But in a couple of weeks, we'll start having some wrestling content as those pay-per-views start to pick up again. Um, although there is pay-per-view tomorrow, but we don't cover those. And uh, yeah, email us, pod. It's in the show notes at gmail.com. It's in the show notes. Just click there. Visit townalone.com. Uh, league pass watchability rankings going up every Tuesday of the NFL se- or uh, NBA season. And uh, tonight, Mike, tonight, first games of the end season tournament. Oh. Do you see their like really long like casino commercial? About 600 times now. Yeah. 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 All right, Mike. Uh, only one thing left to do before we get out of here. Um, shouts out to the Django who was unchained himself. Big cock fox. Big cock fox.